um, well, I, 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 we don't have that many people today, I guess. Uh, it's okay. Uh, good morning to everyone or good night for people like me. Um, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think we have a couple uh, topics uh, that we can talk and maybe uh, maybe Andrew, we can we can go to the second topic. Maybe Andrew, you can talk about what you propose, and we can jump into that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Because um, I was I was just wondering because this is I've been on quite a few of these talks, um, and I, I think also I've been thinking a lot about um, the courses and things I've done since I started swimming coaching, and there's always that there is always that kind of talk in the room where you say you know what what's your favorite set um you know what what do you do what what do you like doing and you get you kind of get the the answer at the end you get you get that set you get the numbers and stuff so i thought the i'd ask the question what would um what do we do to get to those favorite sets why do these favorite sets become our favorite uh you know why are we doing them and then i think if I mean, I'm not expecting there is an answer either. I, I, it is a genuine <laughs> kind of question. And then also on, a, on the bigger planning level, um, which would be the kind of the second part of the question is, is there much point to planning? Um, you know, and is, you know, we, we kind of can sit down and plan for like a perfect taper and uh, plan for a perfect season. But as we're learning right now, there is no perfect plan. Um, and even when we look at things uh, like the tapering itself, there's so many cases out there where the taper either doesn't work. Uh, I was looking at the, the numbers from British Swimming from last year's Summer Nationals. What they do in the UK now is they, they have a ranking system. You have to qualify by the end of May and then you race in, um, in the summer. And they get quite cool data from that. And it shows the times that were set in the qualification period compared to the time set when they actually race in the summer and boys tend to do better than girls but what they show is a is that people the, the kids are swimming slower in the summer than the qualification period you know so i know a lot of coaches in the uk and they plan for this kind of peak in the summer but clearly something's not working or it doesn't always work and then you've always got the case studies. We had, we had a talk with Mitch Larkin the other day, um, and he was saying that he did some of his best swims when he was actually midway through his training, and he, he wasn't even in the taper. He wasn't rested. Uh, so it kind of leaves that question, you know, why do we do what we do? Um, we, kind of, we kind of know the answers, but we, I feel like there's a the bit before it is, is the bit that seems to be the, the key. I don't know. I'll start and I'll tell you, I think um, why I come up with favorite sets or how I think either because I did them when I was a swimmer and if I was not as if I would, if I would hadn't been a swimmer, probably I would have to have a better reason, you know, but I think just by doing it so many times and understanding what I did with those sets, uh, some of those stuck with me. And I feel that they can help me in certain things, you know. And some of the other sets, I just come up with them without really thinking too much. Just it's a guess, it's, you know. And maybe it's a guess that 
since we do it, we've done it for so many, for so many time, for so many years with, with either training or with coaching that sometimes it, come, they, it comes naturally. You say, okay, if I can do 30, 50s this way, I think I can have this result, this result, you know, and I don't have anything against scientists and, uh, anything against, uh, the, the academia of swimming, but you can, you can probably count with your hand how many scientists or academic people have coached Olympic champions. You know, not many, you know, yeah. and, and, and the reason is because I think, I really believe that they're so smart and they, they get so much information and so much information and so much information and they keep recycling themselves that they never really know what really works or what doesn't work. So I think we, we work with our intuition a, lot, a little bit more th than that. I think it's important to plan, you know, and I come from Europe and the way they taught us how to, in Spain, when I had my, my, my title of, of superior coach or whatever they call it, I don't know how to translate it. It was very scary sitting in the classroom for six months with these people that had no experience understanding what a set can do to your body. They were sitting in front of me, they were going to become coaches. And, and um, you know, I realized that if I follow all that, I will never be good. I have to have the base, but I have to really be an artist you know, in a way. I have to have a plan, but I can make a plan for a season in a, in a napkin at a, at a nightclub when I'm having a, 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 a bottle of a scotch and I have some, uh, uh, some light in my head, you know what I mean? Uh, mm. So, so I think, I think we, we work a lot on our intuition and our, also the older you get too, and the more that you coach, if you can really un learn from your, the athletes that you have and the experiences that you have, you can find the right formula that works for you. Yeah, I, I think I think people like Larkin and you were a swimmer and I was a swimmer and uh, you know that you know you've swum so fast sometimes and then you went to the meet and you didn't swim as fast. But I think I think there's other things you know like like pressure, losing ownership of who you are. You know, Larkin, you know he became pretty good pretty quickly. And then to sustain that with the pressure of Australia, the pressure of this, the pressure of that, it's pretty hard. You know, you have a bad meet or you get sick or you get something and people put you down or not and this and that, and you have a hard time coming up of that. And it's not just him. It happened to me, it happens to everybody, you know? So, I so, think would, you say, um, so would you say from that, it's so much of it is then the um, coming back to the, like you said, like that kind of artistic form but you can't, and maybe maybe the answer goes towards that being a something that we can't name, and it's a, the same way that an artist can paint paint a picture. You, it's very difficult for someone else just to come and do it. Sure. It's all it's all in here. Well, you know, in Singapore, one of the important things that I tried to teach them, because they were lacking of that, it, it, not because they were lacking of it, because nobody taught them how to do it. And I I really think, and the, that was the first time that I really understood how you can become a good athlete or a good coach or excellent at something. I was trying to teach them how to express themselves. Uh, and express is an art. Mm -hmm. You know, they're so intelligent. The kids that I had were in the top schools in the world and they had so much knowledge about things, very mechanical. But they were afraid to 
to stand up in front of me and tell me, coach, you're wrong with this, or oh, what about that, or challenge me, because they were told not to do that. Make sense? You follow certain things and that. So then my, my, my thought was always telling them, if you cannot challenge me, when we have a conversation and I want you to challenge me, I give you permission to challenge me. What are you gonna do when you're at the OCBC with 5,000 people and, you, and there's seven other athletes and you have to express yourself? That's the bottom line. How can you come out in front of so many people and be able to be who you are and say, okay, you know, fuck it. This is me, I'm going. I have one chance, you know? And I think that's the hard part. We lose, we lose track of that. Mm. So. so how, um, uh, kind of in that, in those questions, um, I mean, I've, I've been challenged as well um, before people asking me as, as a swim coach, how do we coach the in, individual? Um, how do we make a program? So I have a, I have a squad of anywhere between 20 and 30 in front of me. And I've been asked, how do I plan for the individual? You know, now that we're not, I'm not doing anything and uh, I'm just kind of sitting around just reflecting on everything a bit more. Um, it's got, it's got me thinking like, you know, what, is there a way that you can plan for individuals or do you just get to a smaller group? Uh, and we're talking before you get to that level before you, you know, you're just one to one or one to three. We're talking like age group squad kind of coaching. I think, I think my belief, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong you plan for the best people that you have in the team. The best doesn't mean the fastest kid. You know, because sometimes the best is the guy who works the hardest and is there. So you make a plan that for somebody that's going to be is in the top is, is consistent. You know? and, and then you can, you, can, you can change the plan as, it fit, as you see fit with different athletes. You know? Let's say that I, I want to do 3100s on one minute with these guys because it's you know, the top kids. So maybe I, I do uh, 24 with this and 110, and I do 18 of these with, you know, on one, whatever, you know, 120. And, and I adapt from that, but I, I have to start thinking about the best and the best people that I have, and then go down as I see fit in the group and how many legs do I have, how I, you know, and, and that's the only, I think, you know, when I had 100 swimmers in the water, in, in between eight lanes and in one side and nine lanes or 10 lanes in the other, I had to figure it out how to, how to do things like that, you know? Yeah. And that's very hard. Really plan for who that actually come turn up. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I plan, for example, yeah, with big names, when I planned for Ryan Murphy for four years, I didn't plan for Joseph Schooling the same way that I did for Ryan Murphy. Why? Because Ryan Murphy is the type of person that he needs every day to have a plan. And he's going to challenge you. He was 13 or 14. He will text you and say, hey, coach, you told me in the plan that we were going to do this and we did something different. We need to talk. Why? You know? Joseph Schooling was, came every day to practice to challenge what I told him, but he didn't worry so much about the plan. He, he thought that if I do what the coach says, you know, I'll be fine. You know what I mean? So there's two types of different personalities. You know? And yeah. can I add to it as well? Uh, I think Andy... Uh, he, uh, I think Sergio was talking more about differenti differentiation uh, during swim session, uh, planning for top, uh, for most, uh, well, most hardest person and then scale down to, you know, spe specialists and et cetera, et cetera. But also I think Andy, um, I think 
I think, because there was a sentence, I think, in, in your email about equipment and how you use equipment uh, to personalize your training and make sure it's, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, kind of down to each individual. Uh, I think in the age group coaching, it's a bit difficult, but for example, in, in my case, I have uh, only two sets of power towers, yeah, for example. And it doesn't mean the guy who joined my squad or girl uh, will be straight away on it, uh, you know. And uh, that person, for example, only tw- uh, 13 years old. Obviously, um, in, my, in my team, we have a culture of uh, we're not using equipment as a, as a, uh, a tool of entertainment. Uh, we're using uh, equipment such as, such as, it could be just, uh, you know, those ball, ball pedals or it can be A-shaped pedal, for example. And uh, I, I don't require every swimmer to have that, that set. I have a few of those sets in, uh, in my storeroom. And then if someone needs that, I just apply it and nobody asks questions. Uh, why, for example, use this or that equipment uh, and why I don't use it. So my, basically, my, uh, we have a mutual agreement between swimmers. If you don't use it, you don't need it. Uh, if you have a question about it and you, f- you feel you might need it, come and talk to me. And if you feel you might need to, to use that piece of equipment, you go for it. For example, uh, because you have been talking a little bit about differentiation in, in, in sets. It's uh, absolutely it's happening across, I guess, every swim squad. Uh, but in terms of, uh, from what I read on email, I thought you, you're talking about equipment that you might have a, a limited number of pieces and you, or due to pool space, you can apply for everyone, for example, you know, stretch cords or parachutes or whatever, whatever you have during, during swim practice. I think it has to be a little bit of culture and understanding. So swim coach, not just throwing equipment into the program to entertain children. And actually it's a just pedagogical tool, which is you want to use uh, to facilitate your program and to, to meet individual, individual, each individual needs. That's my opinion in terms of uh, equipment itself. I think. Uh, sorry, a little bit maybe shifted from what you've been talking about, but that's what yeah. I wrapped in, into in the mail. My question, but um, I guess the, you, you, there is a crossover there, though. Yeah, yeah, there is. I think so. I think. Um, but go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead. That's right. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, there's a. There's definitely. It's not my question, but I think they do cross over. Um, my, my more uh, for what I was looking at was. Um, uh, the, the the planning and why we plan, and then also the um, if you, let's say you had a the session in front of you, your how do you kind of connect with each individual within the squad? So I guess we could be looking at relationships as well, um, but also on the big on the bigger picture when we start to look at um, the planning for a big squad, do we plan do we plan the season as a squad? Or do we try and plan it as 30 or 40 or 15 individuals? Um, that would be kind of my next question and, and like yeah. leading point. I, 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 as I told you, like when I came to Singapore, I, had, I thought I was going to have seven swimmers. So I was going to try to plan more individualized. And then I had 33. You, know? uh, you have Charlene Yo, that she was 227 to under freestyle. And I was thinking, why I have come to Singapore to coach at 227 to under freestyle? Long close, you know? uh, but she was in my group, you know, and so I had to figure it out. So I, uh, but, but the, the, the most important thing is the retention of those kids and make them improve, but also to coach at the highest level, you know, 
And so what I did is like, I, I, I planned for the top and then I scaled down. You know? And then the attention was like, kids like that, they were very intimidated by me because they were 13 years old or whatever it was. And sometimes you try to talk to them in practice when they're doing the sets and they just w won't even look at you. Just take a chance before practice or after practice to just go towards them and stop them and talk to them and, and make them feel that they're special, you know? Uh, and I think that's a very important thing because they see you as a coach as up here, you know, you're like, wow, you know, coach, coach, coach. And when they see you, that you, you care about, Hey, how was your day? Oh, today you look very tired. Are you okay? Just a simple sentence. I, I saw that every day they were looking at me a little bit with better eyes. They didn't look at me with bad eyes, but if I said, Hey, Charlene, she will go like this, you know, on the next day, right, man. But later on, a year later, I could joke around doing practice and I could come and I would be watching was and when or some of those guys and and I would run to the other side and say something to them and they would be smiling at me you know so you have to create that relationship it doesn't matter if they're fast or slow if they work hard they're your kids. Um, would you place uh, that relationship then and that your your relationship with the athletes would you place that at the top of your uh, importance like on, if you had a list of the most important thing you do as a coach and have as a coach would you place that above subject knowledge and would you have that as the top? Yeah, 100%. The psychology of when people ask me, Sergio, what book can I read about planning or swimming? I said, uh, forget about those. You can find on the internet. You, you put energy systems, you're going to find A1, A2, A3, microcycles, microcycles, EM1, EM2. You can find it out there. But if you, if you, I always tell them, why you don't learn profiling? Why you don't learn behavioral psychology? So, so you can understand when people walk through you, away from you, and, and then you can get an idea of how they, what they're thinking, are they afraid, are they sad, and then that can help you build a much better environment. And, and at the bottom line, what you want, you don't want to create a codependency between your swimmers and yourself, but there's always going to be something like that because they see you as somebody with power, and if you do it well to a certain extent they really respect what you say and they don't want to let you down but what's important is that you create a relationship where they, when they go to the blocks or they're standing on the blocks and they look at you they know that no matter what happens when they come out if they swim fast or slow you're going to be there to give them a hug or to talk with them or to you know sometimes you have to scold them you know but that happens you know but that they can feel comfortable understanding that no matter what you're going to be there and that's number one thing mm -hmm. because if you don't do that the kid can swim fast can swim fast can swim fast and at one moment it's not going to swim fast for one reason or another and if, if you don't have the relationship with that kid and you kind of are distant and withdraw uh, your system is not going to work with that person it's not going to bounce back and, and I think that's very important cool yeah thanks you know like but Joseph Schooling is with us, and I've never asked my, my, my athletes to come back and train with, that, with me, you know, because I, I believe that once they go to college, they go to college, and, and they have other coaches, and, you know, I can be there as their friend, but, you know, uh, I was talking with him, and I told him because of certain things that I think I was the, the best person possible to help him out, maybe 
who knows about winning a medal in the Olympics? That's a byproduct of something else that we need to figure it out for whatever situation he was in. Because I know him since he was 13. And, you know, it's like, and we had ups and downs and sometimes he hated me and sometimes I wanted to beat the shit out of him. But, um, but we grew together, you know? And so, so I think you have to get to that point with your athletes. Thanks. Yeah. So anybody else wants to add to this, uh, this subject that Andrew, uh, you know. Hi, so Joe. Thanks Hi. for holding all the session. Uh, so uh, I, I'm something like a semi-retirement, but uh, I have uh, groomed, I was thinking of grooming a few young coaches to, to help them, if, uh, but they are not national athletes. They don't have the connection. So my coaches has about uh, 30 swimmers in a, a session. So like Andrew say, he actually plans um, uh, four different training programs in terms of distance in terms of ability so we group them to four and we have uh, uh, one athlete that is doing very well uh, like so jose one individual were doing very well and he was uh, uh, doing in a national doing well and suddenly he just goes into depression and therefore uh, what we say just now about relationship is very critical which i always highlight to Roderick, because you need to know your swimmers and we do things like uh, now we are doing things like individual profiling which is important for us also and we set goal, and there was a time when we go to Tanyapura, we visit uh, Miguel's uh, 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 training ground, and uh, we actually did some sports psychology, because uh, our main target will be a well-informed swimmer. And um, uh, Sojo has said, Singaporean, we, we tend to be um, respectful, we don't warm up, and we don't openly talks about things we, we hold back a bit you know we don't do a lot of questioning when we go session we are very quiet we just listen and we digest so we did some sports psychology for the children and it's a very revealing because at that moment we only have about 10 swimmers some of them uh, uh, show emotion some of them actually share with us what they want to do so uh the target we wanted was well-informed swimmer and like Sojo says, we want them to challenge if there's something not right with the set or they feel they don't train well with the set to bring up. And this top athlete that we have doing very well and suddenly after the, the ASEAN school, he just go into depression. He doesn't talk to his parents. Whenever he don't do well, he just shut the parents out. He doesn't want to talk to them. But he still talk to the coaches. Uh, because there is a relationship, he still texts, he still listens, he still uh, try to work his way out. So I hope uh, that's good enough. Anything else that you want to know? But my coaches is still learning to uh, do all the sets because when he started, he's just planned. Uh, like tomorrow is the training, he planned the set today. But now he's planning for the whole season. He has the understanding. It's a, a learning process. And um, I think he has achieved quite a lot. In a, we are teaching, uh, coaching age grouper. But we have one that is uh, way up there, you know, uh, national. And it's, in Singapore, it's a bit different because Singapore, we have different races. Okay, so this, this, this boy is a Malay. So when he was young, we also have to look into his nutrition. Because Malay, right, their cuisine is very oily. A lot of food. So we are not in control. But the parents is willing to listen. And they changed his diet. They, their diet all changed. The whole family changed diet. 
and also you know they have to fast for a month, one month during training. If one month they fast, right, all their energy gone, all the things that you want to do for them gone. So they're growing. Uh, we talk to them and they're willing to pay fine. They have to pay a fine for not fasting. So the parents also work with us on this to get to where he is now. Uh, and I think maybe sometimes, th thank you very much for sharing that. And I think maybe sometimes it's what we talked, you know, the, at the beginning of these talks is the education of the parents, you know. And, uh, and also one thing, I, I see Roland there and uh, I know, uh, uh, you know, and I've seen other coaches that I had a good relationship with them. And I know, um, I, I know I went to see Sumdolfia uh, when I was there and I saw like 20, 20 something kids in one lane, you know? And, and I asked him, it's like, why are, are, are we doing this? You know, I, and they were offering practice every day, you know? And some days you have 25 kids and some days you have 12 kids, you know? And I think what's important too is understanding that this is a business and it's, you need to make a better structure out of the time that you have. And some of those kids don't need to have an option of coming five days a week, you know? So some of those kids, they, they can come three times a week and you can scatter the group. So, they, you know, instead of coming for two hours, they can come for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes and you can have different groups and you can then pay more attention to your athletes and have different levels of training, you know? But sometimes, you know, and then you have, you know, I saw some kids uh, 10 years old beating some 13 year olds in the same lane and struggling and lapping and, you know, and, and, and I think it's first also you have to plan how your club is a structure and that's very important. And then also you have to plan educating the parents that that's very important. You know, the, psychology of, the psychology of life is it's what's going to help you be successful or not. And, you know, there's not really, you know, I think, I think the, the easier formula for me would be how would I would like to be treated when I was that age, you know, and I would like that, that coach to, to treat me with respect, with this, push me hard, but always uh, support me, uh, challenge me. But, you know, always in a respectful way, you know, not when he has to tell me that I did something wrong and punish me, that's fine. You know, nowadays we don't do that very often because, we'll, you know, uh, but, uh, but you have to, you have to think that way. You know, sometimes as coaches, we only think that uh, my, the likelihood of me being, a, uh, have a, a big name depends on the success of the athlete, on the times of the athlete. And going to the age group, uh, uh, age group championships, winning medals, and how many records, and how many these, and that's not the truth. You know, if you think that way, then you have a problem. You know? But uh, I don't know. Uh, anybody else wants to jump into this? Yeah, I'd love to um, contribute a few of my thoughts because um, I. I, I think it's a very interesting overall topic. And um, I think um, um, I have a very different situation where most of you know I get many of these kids on a holiday basis. So I get them for a week or two weeks. And I just, they jump in, in my program and we try to service them. And, and um, when I get many of these kids, 
I need to do an like on-site instant evaluation, right? So um, many times there is no way of having a plan for a kid that comes for two weeks, but there are ways um, that you develop through years of experience, like you said, and, and developing an eye to know how the balance between his um, um, different capacities are, and most important, as you develop that, um, you're forcing yourself to pay attention to the kid, and when the kid knows that you're paying attention and that you are um, actually being accurate in evaluating them, they they feel like you actually care about them. And I'm gonna say a couple of very simple things, okay? So um, normally what I try to develop is the balance between the aerobic capacity and the anaerobic capacity on site. So the first thing I try to know is what's the kid's best time in the 100, 200 freestyle from a newcomer? You know, what's your best time? How do you swim? And then I try to figure for a person that has a good balance, when we do an aerobic capacity set, let's say 2100, can you hold your best time plus 15 seconds with 10 seconds rest? And I'm not telling him that. I'm, I'm just observing and trying to figure out how well he handles a 30-minute set at, at a speed that correlates to about 15 seconds of his PB. And then we have the anaerobic capacity, and I say, can, can he hold 1250s on 115, 130 at his 200 speed. Now, in, in, in that balance, and, and as I said, it, it, pure observation. If you see, oh, he did the aerobic set so good, but the anaerobic set, he did the first four good and then he died. Well, obviously, there is a, an imbalance there, and this kid has plenty of endurance um, base but doesn't know how to hold the lactic tolerance so well. I'm, I'm not explaining all this to the kid. I'm just saying, hey, on the um, quality days, let's put emphasis on making them all at the same speed and maintaining that 200 speed or faster. And most often the, the opposite case happens. You know, we've got kids that do the anaerobic capacity sets fairly well, but the aerobic sets, they are more difficult. And then you try to convince them that having that balance will make them a better overall swimmer on the long term. You know, saying, hey, you know, the, the longer set, you need to maintain it at a, at a more, um, at a higher constant speed and even be able to change speeds through it. Now, when, when you talk to them after the third or fourth day and you make a couple of these observations, what I feel is the kid feels like you care about him. And whether that's an evaluation or a different form. It's not so much about the planning of the season in itself. It's about observing the swimmer and observing whether that swimmer um, has the different systems compensated and that they improve at a fairly constant or at a fairly balanced rate. The same would be with people that are too strong but don't have enough quickness of movement or the opposite. People that um, move fairly quick but they don't have enough strength. And then you just make a comment and say, hey, let's try to do an emphasis on um, getting, getting um, 
that Jim done in one way or another. So when Andrew says, how much do you plan for the season? Well, I, if I get a kid for three weeks, there's no planning on paper. But there is a, a lot of planning on my head about how that kid, <coughs> sorry, how that kid um, has all his um, swimming capacities um, developed and which one can I help him balance with the other to make him better. And I don't know if that makes sense and if I helped answer Andrew's question or contributed something, but that's my, my five cents. Thanks, Mio. Yeah, thanks, Miguel. It's kind of, it's the, um, that was really interesting because it's like there's the, there's the process in place for when you get these, whoever, whoever walks in your door, there's processes in place to kind of fit them into, but it's quite an adaptive process. That's, that's really interesting. Thanks for that. Like, like for us, piggybacking with Miguel, in a sense, like in college, like every year you have a good number of, you know, maybe one fourth of your team is new. Like last year I brought 26 new kids, you know, so, so, and a lot of them come from good programs and a lot of them come from programs that they don't train a lot in small towns. They can swim fast and sometimes you scratch your head how fast this kid is swimming. He doesn't have this much background. So there's a lot of balancing and, uh, and a lot of that too. You know, we train all together, but you know, you know I had one, one girl this year that when I recruited her, she was training three times a week, you know, and you, you watch her in the water and she's, she's has a lot of talent, but, um, but she has some growth issues with her knees, you know, and she's as tall as me. So she, she's 187 already as a six, 70 year old girl and still growing. And, so what we did, and I told her, and I told her coaches, and I, I told the team, instead of training nine times a week, she started with three times a week. And we built it to four times a week. And she didn't do many, many doubles. And she ended up being one of our fastest kids this year. You know, she won one, 147 flat in the 200 freestyle. That's like a 155 in short course meters, you know, uh, 200 freestyle. And, she went 49 flat, that's like a 54, 55, you know, in short course meter. So she improved a lot, but we had to do a lot of uh, manipulation of the system that we had, you know, you know what I mean? But I think you do that, you uh, you know, you have a plan, but you do that because the, the kids need it and you, you can adapt to each kid within your group. So, so, Anybody else wants to contribute to this? Guys? Um, so you go, just see if I can steer it towards, um, like we've heard like now we're so, like hearing like the processes of uh, kind of happening, like the, the gears in motion for when different things kind of get thrown at us. Um, I guess my, my question would be, is that the, uh, is the answer then the, the kind of the flexibility in our processes that kind of allow us to do what we do and is that a product like you said and Miguel said you guys have been coaching longer than me um is that purely just down to experience um you know like I'm thinking back to when I was being coached and taught to be a coach how much of that education how many of these seminars in you know I've been to ones in Australia and America how many of those these kind of coach education courses 
have prepared me to be able to think the way that you know and develop the processes that you've just described um you know are they are they a little bit redundant or do they need to change their focus like how how is there is there a faster way to acquire this experience to help us develop these processes like miguel's i don't know how long you've been working Miguel, but you know if i was to step into the profession uh, as a brand new person tomorrow would i be able to learn what you've learned you know, quickly. Um, I think I think uh, a lot of the clinics and a lot of these things are overrated because a lot of the a lot of the coaches. You know, I, I remember when I started uh, doing clinics, I was very afraid because even though I knew the science and I knew the systems and I knew the uh, how to do and I planned my seasons with nice graphs and all that stuff, I didn't want to talk about that. I mean, I, do, I wanted to talk about how you have to be dynamic with your chains, how you have to learn from the kids. How, and, and many coaches don't want to listen to that. Many coaches don't. They think that I need to understand uh, step one, step two, step three. And if I follow that, I'm going to be good. Uh, I think experience is going gonna, is gonna to help you out. But I also think that through the process of being a swimmer and a starting, uh, you have the answers internally if you trust yourself, if you don't get nervous, you know, if you, if something happens and you're like, Oh, wow, what I plan is not working. Don't freak out and go and ask Ivan or ask Miguel or ask me, Hey, what do I do? Just before you do all that, just go to a quiet place, have a beer, have a cup of coffee and just think, let it sit and you figure it out. If you have, if you really care for what you're doing, you're going to find the answer. And then you, you got to trust that. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and when you do that, you, you'll make a mistake. Absolutely. But if you make a mistake and you correct it and, you, you know, you apologize to the kids and say, look, I thought they were in the right path. Maybe this or not. I'm not sure if I, something didn't work. I'm going to change it. Sorry. Let's keep moving on. I think they'll understand. You know, and they so like it. Down to... Um or like a, how, how well you can actually reflect. Yeah. And I, do, I think I do most of my thinking when I'm out on a run or just kind of, yeah, when, when you have that time, I guess that right now when we're not doing our normal day-to-day -day work, is probably why. Uh, like, you, know how, you know how much thinking I do sitting on my couch and yeah. just looking at the ceiling? That, I love that. It's just yeah. contemplation for me. It's a good thing. It just being quiet but not being quiet. I, I put the TV on and it's like, that makes me think, and I get to a point that I don't, I'm not stressed out, and I can, I, I think settle, and you can understand what happens. You know? Sometimes when we ask questions to people, we only listen to their answers, but they don't really know the, how deep that problem goes. You know, and they tell you an answer, and then now you get more confused. And it's like, oh, should I do this? Should I not do that? You know, you know I've been with my wife for 30 years, and. Every time I come home, or most of the time, she asks me for, hey, how was practice? Oh, how was this guy? And sometimes I come home very upset. And she says, well, Sergio, maybe you need to think this way. And most of the time, I tell her to go and go and take a walk. You know, I, I get upset because, you know, she's telling me what I need to think. And, but then when I go and take a walk and I come down, I realize that she gave me some pretty good advice, you know, because she knows me 100%. You know? And... 
like somebody else can give me uh, an, their own advice of the situation because that's how they think they, they would do, but they don't really know exactly the way you think, the way you do things, the way you react. And you, got, you have to learn how to trust that. And maybe have one person that you really becomes either your mentor or you, 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 your partner in crime that can help you when you're lost, you know? But I think um, intuition is, is very important and trust yourself. Uh, oh, thank you. I think, I think overall that coming, coming together, like the question that I was kind of proposing um, to you on the, when we were chatting, uh, it seems to be like kind of coming together. There's a, there's a process which is thought about and it just keeps going and changing and updating. And, um, like, you know, what do you want to do? Like the bottom line is sit down. What do you want to do as a coach? And, and I like to sorry, sorry, yeah. uh, I just want to check, Andrew. Do you have the encounter where the parents come and ask you how is my son, and uh, they tell you that like, you are not doing enough for for my child. You know, I think my child can do better. Do you have this as a young coach? Did you encounter this? Oh, I, all the time. Even when I was in Singapore, uh, I had parents. I had one parent that came up with me with a video camera. And tell me, hey, you and me, we need to sit down because I feel my son, and I'm going to tell you what needs to be fixed. So, so I work at international school. I get it every day. Yeah. So the question <laughs> is this: Do you know how many times I told parents? I said, okay, where are you? Oh, I'm a lawyer. So it's okay. Where do you work? Oh, in this office. No worry. Tomorrow I'm going to sit outside of your office, and whoever comes to visit you, I'm going to speak with them before before you talk to them. And I'm gonna ask them, what's your problem? Oh, well, I have this, you know, I'm going through a rough divorce, no worries. I'm gonna Google it and I'm gonna give them an answer because that's what you're doing. And if you don't like it, uh, you know, I can pick up the phone and call the club two miles away and you can go and join them. Maybe they'll let you, do, but this is my job. And as long as I treat your kid with respect, mentally and physically, I'm sorry, I don't have to listen to you. And that's a very simple thing. If you're not disrespectful, they're being the ones being disrespectful. You know, they should worry about their jobs, taking care of their families, and you know, not about what I do as a coach, as long as I, I'm, I'm professional. You know? I think um, like for, for us working in the schools, we run sessions and sometimes, uh, especially if parents kind of come once every one uh, every few weeks what i think what i started to realize just over the years i used to really it used to really grate me because it happens it happened a lot especially working in 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 the school um it's trying to understand they're not seeing the interactions that i've been making so they might come to a session where my what i'm you know my what i'm doing with one swimmer out of a group of 30 might be very minimal for that session but if they've missed the previous ones or they didn't see me have the talk at the beginning of the set. You know, these, if they only see such a small part. So I just like to kind of think, uh, try to put myself in from their point of view. Um, and then I try to go from there. But at the start, um, definitely <laughs> used to get that question quite a lot. Um, it's harder actually when it's not with me or it's with one of my, one of my other coaches. So I, so I'll get uh, an email saying, um, like the question you just asked me, but to do with another coach, and it could be a squad that I haven't seen. 
you know, it's usually the same answer. I'll go to the coach and I'll ask, no, yeah, no, there's the interactions there. I speak to them, you know, they're making progress. And then you find out that the, the mum or the dad has only been coming down once every two or three weeks. And, you know, they're not seeing the, the interactions and they don't understand that of a big group. It's not going to be like a, like the condo sessions that they might have at the weekend where it's one-to-one. So it's kind of like putting myself in their shoes and also trying to see from their point of view and just being quite diplomatic about it. Well, absolutely. But I think to a lot of the parents that ask those questions, many times our parents, they're, they're troubled parents, that they're putting their kids into so much pressure and they try to fix things, you know. And you know, you know how many times I had a, a parent come up to me and say, hey, Sergio, we have a problem because your assistant is doing this, this, this to my child and it's not fair, blah, 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 blah. So I go to the child first. No, I go to the assistant, say, what's going on? You know, without saying that somebody has said, is there anything going on with this kid? Blah, 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 blah. They'll tell me something. I go to the child and I say, hey, are you okay? Da, 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 da. I figure out how to ask the right questions. And then, you know how many times the child has asked me, coach, did my mom or my dad talk to you? I was like, yeah. So, well, you know, they probably lied to you. And sure enough, they lied to me. The parents told me a totally different story to what the coach and the swimmer in, in two separate meetings told me. And, you know, you have to address that with the parents, you know. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's, it's, parents are complicated, but you just have to be diplomatic. And then at one point you have to tell them, you know, this is my profession, you don't like it, you need to go somewhere else. And I understand that you're in a, in a, uh, a school system, when I was at the National Center, we had to be very diplomatic. You couldn't kick anybody out because ooh, if the parent complains and goes to the minister and the minister goes to the association and the association comes out to you, they, what the heck do you do? Then you have a problem. But, you know, it's just, it's like, it's just politics. So. Hi, Sergio. Yes, Alexander. What? Uh, what, 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 what is the situation in, uh, in, in uh, Virginia Tech? Do you allow parents uh, like to be on, 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 on stand or somewhere nearby? Like most of our parents, most of our kids, we, I think we have two or three kids that they're from the town. A lot of the kids, the parents are from maybe the closest two or three hours away and some of them are foreigners. Mm -hmm. So when a parent comes, I let them be whatever, on the pool deck or on the bleachers, I let them because, you know, they don't see them that often. When, I was, right. at, when I was at Bowles, um, the parents would come randomly uh, and sit in the bleachers to watch. And as long as they didn't give a, a trouble or mm. interrupt us, I, I, never, I, I never care. And the bleachers were right at the pool level. So they were right behind me or whatever. And I think it's a parent comes in, it comes every day and the kid is conditioned, looking at the parent before listens to the coach, then we have a problem. And then I take the parent out. But if the parent just comes every once in a while and wants to watch the kid, absolutely, I, I never had a problem. Now, for example, with college kids, I don't have to talk with their parents, doesn't matter, because the, the kid is 18 years old. So if the parent complains too much, I always have my a policy that my door is open, they can call me anytime. But if the parent complains to manage, I can pick up the phone and tell them, look, don't call me anymore because I don't need to tell you anything about your kid. 
the kid is 18 years old or 20 years old or 22 years old and he's a, uh, a grown-up, you know, an adult. So I don't need to explain. You have a problem, go and talk to my boss. So, you know, so it's a different situation in that sense. But to me, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's very important for the parents to see their kids if they want to, you know, if they, so I... I, I want to share, guys, with you uh, little tricks how to, uh, you know, politely uh, to tell parents not to come anymore. When I when I joined Nexus, uh, uh, probably first two years, I had like five or six parents, no, well, even less, like probably a year or so, five or six or eight parents sitting on the, ble on, the, on the bleachers and sometimes even walking around the pool. And then uh, I remember one of my meetings, I think, with parents, I said, oh, yeah, you're more than welcome to come. Absolutely. We want you to be there here. We want you to be here. Come over. It's a good thing. You know, it means like kids feel your support and all that, just all that kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, oh really? Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, come on. Are we, we, are, we are transparent door uh, school, so no problem. You know, open door policy. Come in anytime. No problem. Guess what? They stopped coming. <laughs> <laughs> Just allow them, they, 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 they get overwhelmed because they see a guy running around the pool, shouting at children, you know, making work so hard. And it's like that picture every day, it doesn't change. So they get overwhelmed and they stop coming because it's not fun anymore. Mm -hmm. So instead they choose to go and go for a run or for, for yoga classes rather than to stay poolside for two and a half or, or three hours. So, you know, let them come in. They, they, they will stop coming. <laughs> That's my approach. I think you're right with that. You know, if you give them the freedom to come, you know, at one point, uh, you know, they're not going to come to bother you anymore. But... Just, just on that, Serge, I had a, uh, I had a coach talk to me once about parents, and he was saying that you've got to try and find parents to be what he termed champion parents. And you find one or two parents in, in every squad that are willing to, to help out in certain ways and you, you really use those parents to your advantage. So I've got a couple of parents um, of kids in my squad that just like helping out with um, different piece, bits and pieces that we, we do. So um, I tend to use them more than they use me and I seek out them looking for, Hey, can you get this done for me? Or can you do this? And, um, it, I find that relationship then spreads to other parents because then they become the interference and that, that buffer between me on pool deck and the parents that might want to complain or ask questions. They tend to go to those parents as opposed to coming to me all the time. That's awesome. I think, uh, one, of the, one of the things that we have in America, we have, uh, I don't know how it works in Singapore or in your countries, we have a, a lot of volunteer parents, you know, and if you work with the volunteer parents, the, 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 the ones around the volunteer group, I think you can, you can save you a lot of headaches because they feel they belong to the team, they want to help you, you know, for us, they organize our meets, they, they time at the competitions. You know, they organize things when we go to meet, you know, like a dinner or, or reservations at a restaurant. So they like all that stuff and it takes work away from you. You just have to be careful that sometimes some parents are very possessive and they want to do too much. But we have, we have that in, in America. Volunteering is very important. 
I, I, I tend to agree to this because I, I do have the same situation whereby, okay, um, I think for me, communication is where it's most important as in I do communicate with parents a lot. So what happened is they, you gain their trust, okay? And for my case, the parents themselves set up a committee to help me run anything other than training. They help me with uh, uh, competition registrations. Okay, I have one parent who even do such a thing as she consolidate all my swimmers' records and she keeps them for me. So it's anytime I need anything, they will just help me back in that sense. And when it comes to competition, I think Elsie knows when it comes to competition, I don't have to tell them. They will come help do the setup, okay, and, and do everything else. And then they leave me alone so that we can run our meets. So everything is almost like done for me, okay, except the training. I think, and I think that's also because uh, we had very good communication as in, I'm very clear with them on what my things are and then they they can see what we have been doing. So they voluntarily do that to help us. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you. I, I think that's very important, Roland. And that's, you know, and, and it saves you a lot of headaches and a lot of work. So that's awesome. Great. So. I think uh, most important for us, right, Sergio, uh, for in Singapore context, um, is that parents is uh, is your paymaster, <laughs> so you need to build that relationship with them. Uh, but then we we set our boundary. Says you on that you are not supposed to interfere. Technical items you are not supposed to to interfere. Other than that, all supports are welcome. And if you can build the relationship like um, like Roland and what's the other coach, uh, Alex, right? When you build that relationship, you actually have a lot of support and they actually stand up for you also. So I think that is the most important thing. It's not to interfere in our technicals uh, expect. Other than that, they are welcome. Uh, it's a business for everybody. It's, you know... Either you have swimmers or you don't make money and you cannot pay your assistance and you cannot pay yourself. You cannot have a nice vacation. So, so I think we all agree that we, the customer service has to be very important and how you set up that it's, it's very important. 